speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you were to go and look up, as I did, the origin of the official celebration of Father's Day in this country, you would find that there are two first celebrations. And the first one, a woman by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd, while listening to a Mother's Day sermon in church back in 1910, decided that she wanted to help establish a similar celebration to honor fathers. Because, as you might expect, her own father was an extraordinary man. He was a Civil War veteran who raised Sonora and her five siblings alone after his wife had died in childbirth. And so Sonora got busy and organized such a celebration for her entire city of Spokane, Washington. But there's also another story about another Father's Day celebration two years earlier in Fairmont, West Virginia, where a woman named Grace Golden Clayton suggested to the Methodist minister in town that they hold services to honor the fathers who had been killed in a deadly mine explosion earlier that year that took the lives of 361 men. And in that grief, she wanted to help her town honor fathers, which they did. Now, neither commemoration sparked a movement, but gradually momentum grew to make Father's Day a national holiday, as Mother's Day had been all the way back in 1914. But it wasn't until 1972 that Father's Day received the same official recognition something I found rather interesting. Um, and at times, even more interesting, the idea was fiercely resisted by some people. Congress actually voted the idea down twice in the intervening years. Now, why would that be, do you suppose? And I got to wondering if in this society, and if in American society, we have underestimated the importance of fathers relative to that of mothers in raising children. Um, I don't know. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was an infant. And in the early 1960s, it was inconceivable to imagine that fathers were of equal importance as mothers in raising children, at least in terms of how the laws were determined. Yes, the father was expected to provide financial support, but mothers were the primary source of emotional support. Um, and maybe that was the way we were all conditioned to grow up. I believe, however, our collective understanding in this country is changing or has changed considerably since then, and, and our laws reflect that. Um, and a father's emotional support is something we all go looking for as we're growing up, in one form or another, in any number of relationships no matter how present or absent our own fathers were. Now, that's the United States. In other parts of the world, 
particularly those countries in the Western world influenced by Roman Catholicism, the tradition of celebrating fathers goes back to the Middle Ages. And in many predominantly Roman Catholic countries, Father's Day is celebrated on the Feast of St. Joseph, which is in March, March 19th. So this week I've been thinking a lot about Joseph, Jesus' adopted father. We don't know very much about him because he disappears from the biblical accounts well before Jesus begins his public ministry. And in one tradition, uh, Joseph is assumed to have been a very old man when he and Mary, Mary were married, and presumably that he died when Jesus was a child. In other accounts, Joseph is imagined as a young man, like Mary, young in years, who was perhaps killed when in response to a peasant uprising, Roman soldiers brutally attacked the nearby town of Sephorus, just outside of Nazareth, where he, Joseph, as a carpenter, would have found work. We, we don't know. There are references in other parts of the gospel that suggest Mary and Joseph had several other children after Jesus was born, but Joseph himself is rarely mentioned. But in the few biblical passages where Joseph emerges as the main character, he is portrayed as an extraordinary man. A man who, to use the language from the reading from St. Paul today, a man who knew something about walking by faith and not by sight. And these few passages are found in one of the accounts of Jesus' birth that we sometimes read in the weeks leading up to Christmas. But we don't always read them because we tend to focus on who? On Mary, right? Jesus' mother, and of course, Jesus himself. So I'd like you to listen to them now, stories of Joseph on Father's Day. When Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. Text goes on with the story of the wise men from the east coming in search of the king of the Jews, their conversations with King Herod, their eventual arrival in Bethlehem where they offer precious gifts before Jesus, and then Joseph emerges again. Now after the wise ones had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother, 
and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. And then just a bit further on, one more story. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared suddenly in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. And Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth. That's all we know about Joseph. That's all we know. And what do these vignettes reveal about the man who raised our Lord as his son? First, we know that Joseph was kind. No matter how devastated he was to learn that his betrothed was pregnant with a child not his own, he refused to shame her publicly as cultural norms of that time and place would have encouraged. He was a kind man. And second, equally important, we learn that Joseph was a man of faith, not in the sense of believing certain things about God, but rather in his willingness to walk through a time of great darkness and confusion according to the small bits of light that came to him. He dared to trust that voice he heard in his dreams, that that voice was of God, and to live and to act accordingly, no matter how little he understood what the words meant. So I'd like you to think back on your own life, where there have been times when you also may have had to trust your intuition, your inner sense, your, that, that, that voice or that inclination inside you as Joseph did when things around you perhaps were confusing or disorienting, when you had to walk by faith and not by sight. For most of us, these are typically times of great confusion, when certain aspects of our external life no, no longer make sense. Times of grief can be like this, or whenever we're feeling completely overwhelmed. Hear this. In the middle of the road of my life, I awoke in a dark wood where the true way was wholly lost. So begins a great medieval poem by Dante Alighieri, The Divine Comedy, which is a long, extended description of what this journey of walking by faith and not by sight looks like. He goes on, 
It's a hard thing to speak of, how harsh, how wild and impenetrable that road, that wood was. Thinking of it recreates the fear. It is scarcely less bitter than death. But in order to tell of the good I found there, I must tell you of the other things I saw. Good can come from those dark and disorienting times. But when we're in them, we just have to get through them. And how do we get through them? By walking by whatever light we're given. And if, like Joseph, we're blessed to hear some sort of inner guide, an intuition, a hunch, a guiding inspiration, if, like Joseph, we hear something at all he would say to us, that we could trust that. He would tell us that what follows that can be one of the greatest experiences of intimacy with God. Now, we wouldn't wish the darkness on anyone, but when we're in it, as he was, we can be filled with such gratitude for those little bits that help us walk by faith when our sight fails. Heard a story on the radio yesterday told by a young man about one of the happiest summers of his childhood. He was six years old at the time, and he and his father were living alone, he said, like two bachelors in their 20s. And they were moving from one city to another, and they were traveling in their car, and the music was blaring, and they were singing rock songs together. He had his elbow on one side, his dad had his elbow on the other, and they were just two guys. And they ate cereal for any meal they wanted, he said. They scouted out the toy stores on every road in search of action figures. It was a magical time, he said, spent with his very best friend, his dad. And why were they alone? Because earlier that year, his mother had died, which was the saddest memory of his childhood. So oddly contrasted, he said, with the joy he remembers now of those months that followed. And now, as an adult, he's trying to understand what it was like for his father then. In that season of deep grief, his father, who did everything he could to ensure that his young son would have happy memories. How did he do it, his son, now a man, wonders? How did he stay so strong for me? Where did he go in their tiny apartment to cry so that his son wouldn't see? He didn't use the language of the Bible to describe his dad here, but surely here we have a man walking not by sight, but whatever bit of lightness he could grasp onto for his own darkness. Now, once we've had that experience, once we know something about that walking by faith, peace, um, only then can we help other people do the same when we recognize that they're in such a place. Not by, attempting, not by attempting to throw a bright light on their darkness, no matter how much we might want to do so, but rather as we encourage them to pay attention to their intuitions, their dreams, 
the voices that come to them in the dark. And there's a wonderful example of this in another story of the Bible. This one comes from the ancient Jewish texts known as 1 Samuel. And it's about Samuel, a young boy, born blessedly and unexpectedly to an elderly couple who never thought they could have children. And so when Thanksgiving, his mother, Hannah, brought him to be mentored by one of the wise priests in the temple, whose name was Eli. You may, you may remember the story. One night, Samuel was asleep, and he woke to a voice calling his name, Samuel. And he assumed it was Eli, so he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you, my son, go back to sleep. And the same thing happened that night two more times. Samuel heard a voice call his name. He thought it was Eli. Ran to Eli. Eli told him, no, it wasn't him, and sent him back to bed. But the third time, Eli realized that God was speaking to the boy in the darkness. So he sent him back to bed, and with these instructions, he said, Samuel, the next time you hear your name called, simply say... Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Then wait and listen for what the Lord will say to you. I wonder, when Jesus was a child, growing up with Mary, and whatever time he had with Joseph, I wonder how Joseph encouraged Jesus to trust the inner voice of God speaking to him based on his own experience, it's not so hard to imagine, is it? For whenever we've experienced that kind of grace guiding us, we, we have something to offer those in our circle of relationships, be they our children, our friends, or as time goes on, even our parents, as the relationships between us evolve as we grow. We can encourage them that they too can trust what comes to them by faith. They can... They can believe it when God comes in small packages of insight, as Jesus indicated in his story of the mustard seed that we heard just now. Things, small things, that can be easily missed if we aren't paying attention, that have the potential to guide us step by step in life. It's one of the greatest gifts parents can give their children, teachers can give their students. Any of us can help another who's coming up behind us in some area of life not buckets of our illumination, but guidance to help them trust their own intuitions where God speaks to them. There's more we can glean from the story of Joseph and where our imaginations will take us when we follow his example. Pastor, I admire, if you can believe it, dedicated an entire Advent season to a ser sermon series on the life of Joseph based on three biblical passages, which I commend to you. It was wonderful, but let me close with where I began to underscore the importance of Joseph's kindness and the importance of kindness. Isn't that one of the reasons we are so outraged by what is happening at the border of our country today. No matter how you feel about our immigration laws, the simple lack of human kindness is heartbreaking because we were made to offer kindness to one another as God offers kindness to us. When Jesus speaks of God as his heavenly Father, he always speaks with such 
extraordinary confidence in God's loving kindness. Is it not likely that Joseph was that kind of father to Jesus? So as we go about our lives with one another, stumbling as we do in the dark woods of our own, not sure of our ways, as we seek to trust the ways God's may be speaking to us through our intuition and our dreams and the voices of friends and strangers, I, I hope we can all remember to be kind, kind to ourselves, kind to one another, as Joseph was kind. Remember the kindnesses you have received from the father figures in your life and what they meant to you. And if you can today, if they are still in your life, if you can do so, thank them today. And commit yourself today to such acts of kindness, large and small, remembering what a difference those acts made for you when you were on the receiving end. From such small things, Jesus reminds us, great things can happen. And we never know where and when and how the seeds of kindness will bear fruit. Often our kindness is the only thing that will illuminate someone else's darkness and give them courage to believe in a loving God when they must walk in our presence by faith and not by sight. Let us pray together. Gracious one, we give you thanks for all the people in our lives who have been instruments of kindness as Joseph, the adopted father, the husband of Mary, was kind. We pray, too, for all the ways you guide us when we must walk by faith and not by sight. We would ask that in small ways and large, you would enable us to receive and trust those experiences and also to help one another do the same, so that bit by bit we may continue on the path you have set before us and help illuminate the darkness that those who walk with us experience as well. And all this we ask in the name of Jesus and in honor of his adopted father, Joseph. Amen. Amen.